coming up this hour. It's Ian Simpkins' last day here on The Common Good. We're going to remember, we're going to celebrate, we're going to send them off. You're listening to The Common Good. Everybody, welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you with us today. Uh, as we said, this is a special day on The Common Good. Uh, it is Ian's last day uh, as he prepares to move his uh, family down to Nashville to a new pastoral job uh, at the bridge outside of Nashville. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so we are we are to this day. You're probably all packed. Everything's all packed. I'm sure everything's all done. You finished all the housework. You probably don't even know what to do with your time anymore, do you? Oh, yeah. We had it boxed up in November. So we've just been, <laughs> we've been living real, real bare bones the last couple of months. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that (laughs) not even close. I'm sure on some level uh, you enjoy the endings and the goodbyes and saying, but you probably also get somewhat draining and tiring. So today is going to be one last one for you. No, Uh, I don't. I don't enjoy the goodbyes at all. (laughs) There's not even a little bit that. Yeah. Enjoy. Enjoy. By enjoy, I meant kind of like the reminiscing and the, the closure, you know. But yeah, no, they're hard. They're hard, I'm sure. Yeah, they're really incredibly difficult. It's been a, a really emotional. I mean, it's been emotional for probably a couple of months as you are slowly telling people and getting ducks in a row. And it feels like every every new chapter sort of closing. You know, we were talking about this yesterday or Wednesday, like quitting two jobs, like moving on from two jobs at the same time is, is incredibly emotional, especially two that I like really loved. And the, and I loved the, you know, the people that I got to serve with and I feel incredibly blessed. I feel incredibly blessed that it's this difficult. Does that make sense? Like if it was, if it was really easy, like see you guys later, there'd be a part of my, my brain that would be like, that's probably not healthy. That's not, that's a, that's a bummer that you're able to, but it's been really grueling just thinking about I've been yeah more emotional than I've been in a, a long, long time just thinking about, yeah, leaving the area and this show and the church and the incredible people. It's I mean, it's bizarre to think about before this show, you and I didn't know each other at all, like even a little bit. You know, it's it's just so <laughs> odd. And I talk to you for hours on on end every day, which is, you know, I'm going to I'm going to miss that a lot, man. It's going to be tough. No doubt. No doubt. Our goal today is to have lots of laughs and to make you cry. Like that's what we're shooting for today. I don't know if we can pull it off. Already accomplished. Uh, and and so this show is going to look different from those of you who are normally here. We're going to pull out some of our old segments we've done. Like uh, I think we may pull out grinds my gears a little bit later. Mm. Uh, some of the old fun ones. And also we're going to listen to some more of Ian's favorite interviews. We're just going to reflect. We're going to, it has been a good two plus years and it's, it's, it, we've lived through uh, you, uh, uh, you guys having another baby mm-hmm. and my kids getting older and a pandemic and all <laughs> sorts of craziness. And, uh, and obviously you and I will continue texting and having fun, but it is an end of a, it's an end of a chapter. Yeah. It's an end of an era. And so we want to celebrate that today. Oh, thanks man. Uh, and so here's how I wanted to start it. I'm going to ask you a couple questions and you're going to give me your top three things top three things from these questions all right so here's the first one top three things you will miss about chicago so not about your church not about like i'm 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 literally looking for like things that are chicago what are chicago area what are the top three things that come to mind that you oh so i can't i can't give like a like a like a heartfelt answer like the people or the i can't do any of that we we understand 
It's got to be like deep dish pizza could, or like the bowl. Well, something like could that. it be though like um like where I took my wife on our first date or where I proposed sure. or is that too sappy still too? That's too. Nope, nope. I get you can go to your show, man. Gosh, all right. Well, that would be top of my list. Like that's I'm getting emotional just thinking about that now. Thinking about how I'm going to be you know geographically far from this place where you know my wife and I are our first kind of official date. We spent all night at an IHOP. I mean, until the sun came up. Just really, yeah. And I never wow. tell you the story. No, I want to hear. Oh, it. Oh my goodness! It is. I'll try to make it condensed. But like she, she had had a rough day a couple of days prior, and I had asked her what her favorite like feel good meal was, and she said grilled cheese with bacon. So I was like, I'm going to make this girl a grilled cheese bacon sandwich. So I got an adapter for uh, my car and brought my toaster oven. And I'd asked her, you know, what are you doing for lunch tomorrow? And she's like, I have a job. And I'm like, oh, yeah, right. Work. Right. OK. <laughs> and she's like, what about in the evening? And I was like, well, I was, I was recording drums uh, in the studio in the city. And uh, so I was like, what about 11 o'clock at night at this IHOP between us? And she was like, OK, which I can't believe she said, OK. So I. Uh, made these grilled cheese sandwiches. Oh yeah, made these grilled cheese sandwiches ahead of time. Got this adapter for this toaster oven. Got to the, got to the IHOP early, and uh, she walked into the IHOP, and then I said these words. I said, "So we can go into the IHOP like we planned, or I have a surprise for you in my car." And, <laughs> and like as soon as as soon as it left my mouth, I was like. Uh oh, <laughs> that's not that's not how that's supposed to go. So she again, I have no idea why. And, and she tells the story so much better. She's like, I could hear my mom's voice in the back of my head saying, don't go to the car. Like, what do you this is this is not. So she chose the car and, you know, I was a bachelor. So I didn't have any like real napkins. All I had were leftover happy birthday napkins. So I handed her this happy birthday napkin. It wasn't her birthday. She was like, oh, no. She then peers into the car and she sees the toaster oven that I had with an extension cord. And also the drum set from the session I had just done. And in her head, she's like, oh, my goodness, he's homeless. Like, he's he's about to ask <laughs> if, I, if I know anywhere for him to crash. And so the toaster oven didn't work. And I tried to, you know, heat up these grilled cheeses. And it didn't. So we went into the IHOP and asked them to heat them up for us. And uh, and we just sat in a booth until until the sun came up, just talking about That's awesome. life and our hopes and dreams. And it's a miracle that she ever went with me on a second date. And the second date is potentially even worse. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll tell that one a little bit later. Just the fact that you said, I've got a surprise for you in my car. <laughs> is, it's amazing that, that, that the night ended, did not end at that moment. Yeah. Okay. Two more, make them, make them. That's a nice, happy one. Thanks. Two more random Chicago things that Chicago is well known for that you will miss. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think deep dish pizza has got to be there. And we have a Portillo's just like down the road from our house. So that's, that's definitely up there. I got to give a shout out to John too. I mean, I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to miss Wrigley. I'm going to miss, you know, the whole like aura of that area is incredible. I don't care about the bean uh, at all. If I could, just, if I could just say that, but I mean, we got little kids. So like, I'm going to miss the zoos. I'm going to miss the yeah. neighborhood, the children's museum that we have, you know, that kind of, I, I guess that's not really Chicago, Chicago, but there's certainly been some like really, sure. really wonderful. That's just great, great music. Also, I guess I'm going to a good music city, so that's that's nice. We are going to Nashville. Am, that's that is right. let's, let's do with the last minute. We have I don't know Nashville well. I've been there 
two or three times, but what are a couple things about the city of Nashville that you're excited? So not about the church you're going oh, to, but about see, the city of Nashville. See, that's how I want to answer because like we've gotten to know this church down there and they're just the most like beautiful, wonderful community. It's I cannot wait. I can't I just can't wait to be a part of that. But we you know we've spent a little bit of time in the city. Yeah, it's a really it's got a, it's got great energy, man. There's great music, like I said. There's there's a ton of great art. You know, these are all kind of like surfacey things because you said I have to. Uh, but, you know, great, great <laughs> coffee shops. There's just beautiful landscape. Like, it's just it's great to, like, drive around. You know, the weather doesn't hurt. It's kind of a, a torture that, you know, the like on an iPhone, you know, you can have multiple cities right next to each other on your weather app. So I'm like, I'm looking at ours like negative three. And then I, you know, go on over to Nashville and it says 61. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that'll be nice. So that's, I'm looking forward to that. You're going in the right direction. Yeah, yes. right, right. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. As is often the case with Ian and I, I didn't get to the third question because we're going to push that one to the next one. Okay. Uh, because that's how you and I tend to roll. So we might as well do that on our last show as well. <laughs> as we said, this is Ian's last show here on The Common Good as he prepares to move down to 61-degree Nashville. Uh, I don't know why you would ever do that as I stare out at the snow everywhere. And uh, But we're going to continue to celebrate Ian and remember the show and uh, talk about that coming up next here on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Winter, spring, summer, or fall now All you got to do is call and I'll be there, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got a friend. Everybody, welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, I am Brian Fromm. Happy Friday. Hope you're having a great day. Uh, it's a special day here on The Common Good. It's a different day than normal, uh, as today is Ian's last day. So we're, we're celebrating Ian. I should, say, I should clarify that. Your last day on the show. I hope it's not your last day. I appreciate that. Thanks. I appreciate that. You're Thank welcome. You. Same here. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> so Ian and his family will be moving at what? At the end of the month? First mm-hmm. of March? That's when right. are you actually moving or don't you know? Yeah. Yet? End of the month. End of the month. Ian will be moving down to Nashville where he'll be uh, the lead pastor of teaching at the bridge uh, right outside Nashville. Mm-hmm. So Ian will be done uh, on this show. Uh, at the end of the show today. And so we want to remember the last two plus years and celebrate a little bit. So Ian, let's jump in there uh, and let's talk about the show a little bit. Your top three uh, or whatever your top moments could come to mind. What are the top moments that you remember about doing the show? And I don't mean like, I mean like specific memories. Like when we interviewed that person or Hmm. we did this, what are the top two or three moments you remember of the past two plus years of doing the show? Gosh, I mean that, that first show will always stand out to me. It just, it was like adrenaline with a double dose of terror. And yeah. I remember when we would like print stuff off, like ways to get in and out of a segment and words that, you know, we're not supposed to say. And there, like yes. back when we were, you know, still in the studio, there was that big window and there were like people gathered outside the window, just staring at us doing the like show. Yeah. Right. <laughs> But it's and if I had you know more time to think about this, I could probably come up with better answers. But there's little things. If I could just lump this as one answer, I do actually miss the studio. Like I miss I miss yeah. seeing the staff and being able to crack jokes on the way to the, you know, get some coffee or the snack cart or the like it's it's an incredible team. Like it, it's a really diverse, interesting group of people with all sorts of different skill sets and personality types. But I like I do 
I miss that. And I miss, you know, getting to hear laughter and debates on the hallway. And yeah, there was just a lot of, it was really, really fun. Like I remember that being my impression the first week being like, this is way more fun than we should be allowed to have. And, and obviously there <laughs> yes. were like parameters like, Hey, you need to research this topic or, you know, get a guess for this or whatever, obviously. But there was just so much like joy. Like it just felt like such a fun, we laughed so much, didn't we? Like even in the, I mean, I'm so grateful that the microphones weren't always on <laughs> because there's certainly moments. It sure would have been a lot oh, shorter. Oh yes, for sure. <laughs> but we had moments there where, you know, Jim Minardi fell on the floor laughing and his face right. turned purple where I was like, do we need to call somebody? <laughs> like, so that definitely, if I could categorize that as one umbrella answer, just man, the, the people, you know, yourself included, man, like it's, yeah. it is really bizarre to think about us not knowing each other at all. Right, right, right. We should do the math at some point before the show's over. Like how much time have we spent talking to each oh, other gosh. these last two plus years? It's probably, I mean, probably blow our minds. We could figure that out pretty easily, but that's pretty wild. I, I'm trying to think of like re- specific interviews. You know, the Rick Warren one is always going to be special for me just because of the the circumstances. And he was so generous and gracious and kind. Yes. And we told him we were going to get like, hey, you got 11 minutes with Rick. And when we actually you know met, we we chatted for like 45 minutes before we even started. And we're joking yeah. and laughing and. And he was really, you know, raw and honest about some really dark stuff in ministry. So that, I mean, I really, I really appreciated that. But there's been, I, I, I'd have to go back and look. There's so many interviews that were so, some where you were like preemptively really nervous about a guest. And then others where someone maybe that you didn't know as well. But by the end of the interview, like, I want to buy everything you've ever written. That was remarkable. You know, like there's, That's right. I feel really grateful, really humbled that we've been able to like engage with the caliber of people that we have and for them to, you know, be gracious with their time to show with us on our show is mind blowing to me. So I'm not really answering your question. I'm kind of meandering a little bit. That's great. (laughs) I remember that Rick Warren interview. I will never forget. That was a kind of a pinch me moment because it was still kind of early on in our show's history. And like you said, we were told you get this much time and we did it in person over at Wheaton college and uh, like you said, we just chatted and laughed with him. And he was like, come on out to California anytime. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what is going on right now? I'll also never forget early on when we used to make those videos that would roll online. Oh, boy. And, uh, and we thought it would be so funny. Was it Jack Graham who wrote a book on angels? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. And we thought we were so it was really funny, but we did a whole a whole uh thing about you pretending you couldn't read it and it was like angles <laughs> well and my vision is pretty bad so me pretending there's an asterisk there because i was kind of not pretending like yeah he's yeah. anything with a teleprompter and i'm definitely struggling if people knew the amount of not just laughs but trouble <laughs> yeah. that we had to get those done because we would just laugh and they'd put it on the teleprompter and oh, we gosh. would laugh and again things would happen that would normally get us fired and <laughs> Yeah, I think probably there's some like some footage and or audio of stuff that would get us both. I mean, there's I'm sure somebody has access to some of that. Like, wow, these guys they are unhinged. Yeah, and it, it was there were certainly moments. And I'll, you remember uh, another moment we did. Uh, I went out of town and you did the Fernando Ortega concert where you got to like host Fernando Ortega. Oh yes. That was a big <laughs> moment. That was a huge moment. That was, I remember you brought your parents mm-hmm. down for that, right? Cause your dad was a big Both fan of them or were, Yeah. Oh yeah. And then, uh, 
But also, what was it? The Lyft conference where uh, the lady, that was the first time that lady uh, coined us to be the laughing pastors. And she's <laughs> like, oh, it's the laughing pastors. And we're like, oh, there we go. Are you just going to have to like, uh, put a big X on my face now for that banner that they use like, at, at events? It depends how the budget's going, I mm-hmm. think, is pretty mm-hmm. much it. But, and I'll, I know to which shirt to wear because I continue to wear the one that matches the banner. Mm-hmm. Smart. And, uh, so anyway. Uh, yeah, been lots of really good times. We're just going to flood you with questions today. So last segment, uh, you said, yeah, I should really tell the story of my second date with my wife. I want to hear it. What's the story of the second date with the uh, with the uh, woman who would turn out to be your wife? Well, yeah, I mean, after the weird IHOP date, I was like, OK, I got to make it up to this poor girl. Like that was that was terrible. So I had done a little digging. And by digging, I probably mean stalking, like figuring out like what she, you know, she like, you know, so I figured out some of her likes and dislikes. And so I planned this like multi-stage date. So we were going to go for a walk in the city. She liked mass transit. We saw some comedy and then she really, she had shared that she loved outdoor bonfires. And I was like, shoot, how am I going to pull off an outdoor bonfire in the city? And so my friend from college was helping me kind of brainstorm some of this. She goes, oh, I have a friend who owns a gallery right by that comedy club and it's got its own little private back patio with a with a bonfire pit you could set that up there and i was like oh my gosh that would be amazing yeah if you could give me access to that she goes yeah, yeah totally do you want like like s'more stuff or anything i'm like that'd be great she's like all right uh like wine i was like yeah yeah all right she's like how about candles or music and i was like do girls like that do women like that and she's like yes they. i was like cool all right so we've done stage one and two <laughs> And then we get to this gallery. It's like right on the corner. And I'm like so excited. And I open the door and my friend has set up a runway of candles. And no. And way. then and Etta James's <laughs> at last is playing over the speakers. And instantly I was like, this is too much. We've gone. We've gone too far. This is way, way too intense. And I, I and of course, I couldn't get the bonfire started. So I had to like leave her to go to a 7-Eleven and buy some gasoline just to try to get the. <laughs> and while I'm gone, Katie's like filming it, sending it to her friends. Like this is where this guy took me, which I'll wrap up the story this way. Um, that's actually where I ended up proposing to her that same gallery. Oh, awesome. But instead of Etta James playing over the speakers, we had friends playing it live. And there was a runway of candles that led to where the ring was. And we had all of our friends and family, hanging out on the back patio hiding where the where the bonfire was to to kind of celebrate with oh, us. So awesome. so that was that was pretty exciting actually. I even towed down uh cuz it had been dead for 3 years. I had like kept it on our property at Poplar Creek Church, the original car that I'd made the, or tried to make the grilled cheese sandwiches in. That car died and then I kept it and then I had it towed into the city. So we were like walking the city and I was like, "Oh, that looks like my old Dodge Neon." She's like, is it? And I like put a toaster oven in the back and <laughs> real strange, man. Real weird. Real weird. It's a, mir- it's a miracle that she said yes. Your engagement story, and then we'll close up here. Your engagement story, I'm just picturing Michael Scott when he got uh, engaged in the, on the office and there's <laughs> yes. all those candles everywhere and it just makes them go. Uh, yep. Yep. Yeah. We were hanging a lot of photos and there were a lot of rose petals. I was like, candles may be a dangerous move here. Oh, that's awesome. Well, we're continuing to uh, reminisce and reflect as today's Ian's last show here on The Common Good. Glad to have you join us. You are listening to The Common Good, AM 1160. Hope for your life. For good times and bad times, I'll be on your side forevermore. 
everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, I'm Brian Fromm. Glad to have you with us on this Friday afternoon. Uh, we said, As we've been saying, this show's a little different today. Today's Ian's last show on The Common Good before he uh, moves down to Nashville mm-hmm. and takes his family down to his new pastor, uh, pastoral position at The Bridge outside of Nashville, a great church down there. And, uh, and so we wanted to reflect, reminisce, celebrate, do also have, just have all sorts of fun today. Uh, and so we hope that you enjoyed as we do. And Ian, I've just been kind of lobbing questions at you. It struck us, Debbie, Debbie, our, uh, our producer kind of brought this up. I'm not sure we've ever asked you, uh, how did you become a pastor? <laughs> like at what point in your life, kind of like, what's your story? Cause now we know that you've been the pastor this whole time that we've been doing this show. Uh, now you're going to be a pastor down in Tennessee, but how'd you get to that point? Walk us, uh, help us uh, as you're leaving. Tell us your story a little bit more. I mean, it's a it's a pretty bonkers story, at least from from my vantage point. I had n- no interest whatsoever in <laughs> working at a church for a church. Um, I had sort of grown up thinking I'm going to do something maybe with music or counseling or something like that. And I remember I was about 16 and our associate pastor pulled me aside one Sunday and he said, uh, Hey, I'd like you to preach next month. And I said, Oh, no, thank you. And he goes, Oh, I wasn't asking. I was like, Oh, and he was like, he was a, he was a Royal Mountie, like a big bearded burly guy. And I was like, what would I, what would I even, what would I even preach about? And he said, ah, the Lord will show you. I was like, what does that even mean? Like I couldn't, I was a terrified 16 year old. So I actually wrote a a sermon on Moses, Moses, the reluctant leader. And the Sunday came and I delivered it. And I'm convinced to this day, it is the worst sermon ever preached (laughs) by human or otherwise lips. Like it was bad. And I stumbled. I mean, it was not just bad theologically. It just was poorly presented. So I, it was, you know, a service was done. I kind of walked dejected off to the right. And uh, I'll never forget this moment. This this woman in our church, and she must have been like in her mid-90s. She walks up to me. And she she says first, um, that was bad. And I go, <laughs> <laughs> that's outstanding. And I was like, yeah, I'm aware. But then she like pointed it at me, though, and she said, but I, I believe the Lord has given you a voice and you better learn how to use it. And then like walked away. Wow. It like sent like shivers down my spine, man. It was like such a bizarre. Now I'll be, I'll be honest. It it wasn't like a moment of metanoia right then and there. I still really fought it for a long time. Like I, I had forgotten about that conversation and I still had sort of plans that I was looking at pursuing. And I was, I was grappling with this idea of ministry, but you know, nobody in my, and my family, other than uh, an uncle of mine, really was in like full-time vocational ministry. And I remember a, a really significant conversation with my dad because I had gone to community college to kind of try, honestly, try to like bide my time. I was like, well, I guess I'll study, yeah. you know, at some place that's really affordable. Like, you know, each semester was like $14 so I could, you know, pay that off from working in Starbucks. But my dad sat me down and I, I'll never forget this either because it was all these concerns about, uh, is it? marketable will you ever be able to provide for a family and my dad said if you feel like the lord is leading you toward ministry you need to run after that with everything you got and that was like all i needed man like that was such i will never forget that conversation between my father and i because it was like permission 
to run after this thing that by a lot of metrics looked foolish. You know, a lot of the advice I was getting from people was like, why don't you get a real degree first, get a real job, and then you can dabble in ministry with whatever free time you have. And my dad just like spoke such like life and purpose. Like, man, if that's, if that's what's talking at your heart, do it, like go for it. So, so I thought, all right, if I'm going to go into ministry, I, I should at least have some fun while I'm doing it. I was sort of like reluctantly like loosening my grip on being in control. So I figured right, I'll go into student ministry. And so I, I came to Judson University, my beloved alma mater here in Elgin, Illinois, to study student ministry. And uh, I loved, loved the classes, loved the community. But I also had to do some practicums and some, some internships and experienced a lot of heartache there, kind of getting a peek behind the scenes with some local churches. So much so that when I was home for Christmas break, I, I told my parents, I was like, listen, this is my senior year. And I was like, I'm going to finish the degree. I don't think I can do this church thing. I just, I just, I already feel so beat up and I feel like I've seen some stuff that doesn't sit right with me. And that next day I got a phone call from a church offering me a job, a church I didn't apply to. Or I was like, it was sort of like a, how'd you get this number thing? And it was really, yeah. And that's a whole other wild story because they actually like, they initially told me no, but then after some, some prayer and fasting on both ends, they held the job for me there, let me go to India for a summer. And then I started when I got back in India is this whole other part of my life that was just life changing in, in so many ways. So I started at this this job. And then a year later, uh, the lead pastor was removed for for a whole bunch of reasons. And, the, and so the whole church, it, it was a really, really heartbreaking season. And they hired an interim guy and there was, you know, there's some some ups and downs there as well. And, and we got to the point where the elders had determined that, you know, we had something like six months to bankruptcy as a church. And the, they called me into the office and said, do you want to take a crack at it? And I was sort of like, not really. No, <laughs> to be honest, no. <laughs> and they, uh, they said, well, would you at least pray about it? And so I, so I did, I asked for, you know, a full month just to kind of pray about it. And the Lord just did an unbelievable 180 in my heart. I legitimately, at the beginning of, of that season of praying, I was like, I don't, I don't think I want to do this. And then by the end of it, I felt like God had just given me such like a burden and a passion for pastoral ministry for this specific church, Poplar Creek Church in Bartlett. I just love that community to this day. They're just like family to me. And, and I really, really mean this too, by the grace of God, because I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Like, the Lord like delivered that church and we, you know, pulled out of this tailspin and, and people, you know, came back and, and the, it was just a remarkable season. So that's, I sort of <laughs> fell backwards into this sort of lead pastor role at this church. I think back to when I was 16, writing about Moses, the reluctant leader a lot, because yeah, yeah. in a lot of ways that has kind of continued to be my narrative, almost in a, in a prophetic sense, to be honest. And uh, so that's in a lot of ways how I sort of, stumbled and fell into full-time pastoral ministry. And there's, there's been obviously so many bumps along the way, but so much beauty and so much grace and, and so much wonderful community and love. And I feel very grateful, man. It's pretty wild now because, you know, we're going on 15 years of a full-time vocational ministry, but right. uh, man, if you were to tell 16 year old Ian that there's, there's no way he would have ever believed you. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I look in the mirror and I'm like, man, I've been, in full-time pastoral ministry, youth pastor, assistant pastor, lead pastor for like 
22 years wow. after wow. How did that happen? Right, right. <laughs> and uh, you still don't feel like you know what you're doing. And all of a sudden, like, okay, I guess, like, what, like I'm, I've now turned into the older veteran, and it's just a wild, <laughs> wild deal. So uh, part of our goal today is just to not just reminisce, but – uh, to celebrate Ian and also just to, you know, hear his story on the way out. So hopefully you're enjoying that. But coming up next, there is a segment that we used to do that I don't know that people liked or not, but here's what's key. We liked it. And so we haven't done it. I don't know. It's been six months or so, uh, but we are going to pull back an old segment here on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. All right, before we get into the segment, tell me you missed that music, so much. right? Like, that is one of my favorite things. I would sing Grinds My Gears for, for days after we did it. You just That's going to be one of your memories, isn't it? Grinds My Gears. I think I found that accidentally. We were kicking around an idea. I think you actually had came, you came into the studio. I, I don't know if this is accurate or not. I think you actually said, you don't really grind my gears. And I was like, that would be a fun segment. And I was like, I wonder if anyone's written a song. And it turns out... There's like a really terrible rap song with that chorus. I was like, yep, this is happening. And they somehow, again, props to the leadership at AM 1160 for even letting us do it because it's a very, it's a weird segment. And this is where we learned how Brian feels about uh, dogs and strollers, right? That was one of them. That's right. Uh, yep. what, were some of the, what were some of your other highlights? Uh, there was some driving ones. I believe I told you a story where somebody uh, gave me a hand gesture that was not appreciated. Uh, that was one. <laughs> was, it a, was it a praise the Lord hand gesture? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, not in our context. No. <laughs> <laughs> not here. I don't know about in all cultures, but uh-huh. here that was not the case. So here was the thought process behind Grinds My Gears. And I never knew what to do with the fact that I always had many more than you did. Like, I think you're just a more mellow, uh, at peace person. But this is a segment where Ian and I go, this could be big or small things that just grinds my gears. It makes me angry. It frustrates me. Uh, and so uh, I, this is going to be the last time we do this. So, Ian, I'm going to let you go first. What is something, uh, anything that grinds your gears? Now, the first thing that comes to mind for me is uh, leaving this show. Leaving this show really grinds my oh. gears. <laughs> is oh. That... <laughs> I don't think I did that correctly. That's a weird thing. That's a we- You're right. I always did. I knew that we were doing this segment, and I still – I don't want to give off, by the way, that I'm like some mellow – I'm not. Like I'm a pretty – I can be a very on-edge person. And it, it's little thing. Like most of these things are really dumb, like – I don't know. Like pets and strollers. <laughs> well, that's the thing. That stuff doesn't bother me at all. For me, it's always like live your life. It's, it has way more to do with like, that's not how you load a dishwasher or that's not the way that you, I don't know. I have so few legitimate, like I want them to be like, oh, the stuff that grinds my gears is systemic injustice. And uh, <laughs> you know I mean like, and I guess I, and that is also obviously true, but but not the heart of the segment. No, and the stuff that like does really get into my skin. This is what makes Grimes of My Gears so convicting for me because while I don't care about dogs and strollers, that doesn't bother me at all. I'm like, you know what? Live your life. It's weird enough out there anyway. Go for it. <laughs> for me, it's the kind of stuff, I don't know if you're like this, where you like really let it get to you and then you're lying awake at night and you're like, why did I let that get? That's such a small thing in the big scheme of life. I feel so silly for letting that 
I don't want, I didn't, I don't mean for this to turn into a grinds my gears reflection session. I'm sorry. Uh, I think what you've just said is, you know, what grinds my gears is grinds my gears. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so meta. What a perfect way to end. (laughs) I'm going to give you one because I've been thinking about, by the way, our producer on our little chat here just wrote uh, people who don't wear cardigans, that that would be one of your answers. (laughs) But but then again, Uh, if if you you don't, you know, it's, it's your life. You don't have to wear cardigans. They're the best. You're missing out. Like, I feel sad for you, but yeah, it's okay. You know, it was teed up for you to be like, you know what really grounds my gears? Pandemics. Oh, <laughs> man. How did I miss that one? We haven't done this uh, since since COVID hit. So Is that true? Uh, so I'll give you one because I'm, I'm petty like this. <laughs> uh, and it is, something, it is something that my wife has learned and frustrates her to no end because uh, something that grinds my gears is uh, lukewarm food <laughs> or stuff that's just not and so she will like make a great dinner and uh and like it'll be not even lukewarm it'll be warm and i'll i'll be like hey do you mind if i put this back in the oven and it's like the most insulting thing i could say oh <laughs> but gosh there's yes you need to talk to my wife about this because it's not like it's cold or lukewarm it's the right temperature but for some reason <laughs> i just like food that's like really warm like really hot and it like frustrates her, and I'm like, "You mind if I stick this in the microwave?" She's like, "Yes, I mind if you stick this in the microwave." So I can tell you what grinds her gears, uh-huh. but it is the truth. At any time, if I'm like reheating something and it's not like hot, uh, it just drives me up a wall, and I've got to like put it back in. It happened this morning. I made something for breakfast. I was like, "Oh, it's not enough." And most people would think like. Uh, that was more than enough, but uh, yeah, that's a, uh, that's a weird one for me. So if you're going to make me keep going, I'm sure I can well, think of more, but I need you to, <laughs> I need you to come up with one. It's your parting shot. You got, it's got to be as petty <laughs> or as, you know, as small as it could be. I understand all the reasoning as to why you wish it wasn't that way about yourself, but there's gotta be some. Well, instead, Brian, I'd love to give you an encouragement because do you know who also hates lukewarm things? Um, the Lord. Who's that? revelation 3 15 through 16 because you are lukewarm neither hot nor cold i'm about to spit you out of my mouth so that's that's very uh apparently god fearing of you i wish i could say i wish i could say that i only put it back in the oven or the microwave if it was only lukewarm like you take a bite like that is perfect temperature i'm like run it back (laughs) i want it scalding my mouth (laughs) so true oh and it's one of these things you know uh, I'm sure we could have done segments over the years of just having our wives in of the little things that bother them about us. And and that would be one that my wife, it would be near the top of the list. She would be like, yep, yep, that one right there. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm sure there's lots of snow related grinds, my gears. You're leaving the snow right now here <laughs> in another couple of weeks. Uh, but but uh, these temperatures are uh, are certainly it. So anything come to mind? Otherwise, we'll get off. I, I'm giving you one more chance. You know, I mean, yeah, okay. So that that is helpful because weather is not it's not directed at a person. I actually don't <laughs> like I directed mine at my well, wife. <laughs> I w- I do want to say this. I've done the same thing, and I've realized like that is probably pretty insulting. Like, might if I uh, nuke this real quick? She's like, yes. I worked really hard at that. <laughs> um, I will say this though. I don't I don't really mind the cold, but that like like bitter, like cut through the first three layers of your skin cold to me. Yes. And so it's a, you know, have you ever been mad at the wind before? And you're like, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know where to direct my anger right now. 
<laughs> we call that February. <laughs> but I've sometimes like grumbled to myself out loud, not realizing other people were within earshot. Like a gust of wind comes. I'm like, no, and then you like look up and you're like, oh, I just frightened that family. I, <laughs> that's probably not great. <laughs> so, yeah, the wind that cuts, that's definitely that's up there for me for sure. Yeah, I'll give you one weather related one for myself. Uh, by the way, once you're gone, I've proposed a new show to the station that replaces. Just grinds my gears where I get to do this for two hours. <laughs> I'd, I'd tune into that. Uh, but I realized, like, I've been doing a lot of shoveling because it keeps snowing like one inch or two inches or whatever. Uh, but I keep uh, – I've realized it's it's not the snow that gets me. And it's not even slush, but it's the slush that sticks to your boots, and then you track it into the house, and then it's all over the house, and you step on it with your socks. Like, <laughs> that will that will get you going uh, more. Yes, yes. That's another one. See, I could do these all day. So, <laughs> uh, What people also don't know, a little behind the scenes, is you are kind because it grinds your gears – uh, show related is the number of times I've dropped my microphone for no reason or <laughs> drank uh, or like uh, had ice just shaking in our microphone during a segment. Well, see, little do you know, it doesn't bother me so much. It more entertains me. Like, do people think, like, when I think of people listening in or a guest, because I've seen you do it because we used to meet in the studio. <laughs> you would take the <laughs> the plastic cup full of ice and then drink it directly in front of the microphone. I'm like, you could have just moved like three inches the other way. So I'm like, does everyone think that there's like a rattle effect on this or someone with like a tambourine is, you know, accentuating a point or something? Oh, my gosh. So I wish funny. I could like, oh, you're totally overstating that. Nope. It's 100 percent true. <laughs> we should find the audio, like make a compilation all right. of all the times of you knocking the microphone off. That would be amazing could be the new show as well it could be it so uh so anyway that is grinds my gears we have not done that in a while uh glad that we could bring it back well one more hour got some more things planned on our way out uh as we say goodbye to ian and uh, send him off to nashville that's coming up next year the last hour of the week here on the common good am 1160 hope for your life Coming up this hour, we're going to spend the last hour of the week again saying goodbye to Ian as he gets ready to move to Nashville. You are listening to The Common Good. Hey, friends. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. First of all, we joked about that yesterday or two days ago. How many more weeks am I going to say alongside Ian Simpkins, even though you're not here? Yeah, you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna, gonna give happen. your poor new co-host like a complex. Like they're gonna be like, "Hey, my my name's Dave. Why why do you, why do you, why do you keep saying Ian?" Yeah, you're going to be Ian for the sake of the show. So we're just going to keep doing this, make my life easier. So maybe I should just make sure to hire someone named Ian. <laughs> that does kind of narrow the pool, doesn't it? A little bit, a little bit. But uh, if you're just kind of tuning in and you're like, what are these guys talking about? Uh, Ian is uh, after Friday, after today's show. Uh, he is done here at the Common Good as Ian and his lovely family are moving down to the Nashville area where Ian will be starting a job at a church called The Bridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just quickly start there. Uh, what are you, you've already teased it a little bit, but what are you excited about the bridge? What do you love about the church? What is the draw down to there? Oh for you? man, I, if I could, this will be like a, a teeny tiny bit of a commercial, but if you go to the website, bridge.tv and just look at 
like the values, the cultural values of the like there are things that I would never because I've written documents like that. I went to school to learn how to. I've written them for multiple churches. There's there's just stuff that they've honed in on that when you read it, you go, oh, why did I never even think that that's so good and so rare? And <laughs> like things about, you know, how how we prioritize honoring one another or how we value authenticity or laughing, like laughing is one of their values. You know, just we laugh loud and hard and off. Like there's just there's things about the type of community that's cultivated that is to me is so winsome and so attractive. And one of the things that, you know, they will say about that area a lot is that people tend to be over churched and under gospeled. So like everything right. comes back to the God. I just love that. Like if, if you hear nothing else about, you know, style and approach and missiology and ecclesiology, it's about the gospel. And we're always going to point everything we do back to that. I think it's like that kind of like, singular focus that I find so attractive and so compelling, not to mention like the P like it'd be tough to, you know, we went down to visit before the pandemic and it, it was electric, man. Like there's just something about, I don't know how to describe that without it sounding like hokey. Like there was just a, a real sense of, wow, the, the spirit of God is up to something here. And, you mm. know, I mentioned a couple yeah. of times they, they've been without a lead guy for two years. So it's like, in a lot of in a lot of ways, you would expect the vibe to be like maybe a little tired or a little discouraged. Like, gosh, it's been two years. Like, none of that. <laughs> like, it was just like, man, yeah. the Lord is here and He's doing something in our midst, and we we want to be a part of it. And the the community and culture that that they have built, uh, not just the last two years, but especially in the in the absence of a, of a lead guy, has just been remarkable. And I'm I'm excited to, to join what is already such like a, like a healthy team, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so you'll be heading down there. Maybe you don't know this, or maybe you're just jumping into something that they've planned, but I, I would suspect there's going to be, you're giving thought to your first Sunday mm -hmm. there. And what's that going to be like? What's that? Maybe March 7th or March so? 7th. Yep. Um, do you know, have you given thought and would you be willing to share your first sermon out of the box. Like, what are you preaching and how are you deciding what you want to say as kind of like your, this this is who I am and uh, in, kind of as an introduction to yourself. Have you given that thought or do you know what you're preaching? Yeah, so it's a, it's a loose skeleton right now, but what, what I told them, and I wanted to spend the first kind of, the first half really of my first meeting with the teaching team because it's a, it's a collaborative model and there's a, just a ton of incredible communicators. Like they don't, they really don't even, they don't need anybody else. Like they're, they've been doing such a good job. I spent the first half, I said, I want to hear from you guys. Like what, what stands out to you from the last few years where you feel like, man, that's, we were firing on all cylinders or that really resonated or whatever. So we got to celebrate a lot of what God had done, which was great just for me to like get a deeper sense of, of the culture and, you know, what stands out to them as something like, oh, God really showed up. So what I, what I shared with them was, I would love for us to always come back to an openness to the leading of the spirit, because apart from that, like, what are we doing? You know, this whole, this abide language, right? Like apart from the vine, like you're not, we just play in church. Yeah. Like that's not, that doesn't help anybody. And so I said, I would love, I would love for like my first series to be about how do we, how do we better like lean in and, and open ourselves up. Scott McKnight actually wrote a wonderful book called open to the spirit about, 
what it looks like to be a Christ follower, like truly being like led and empowered and emboldened by the spirit, you know, and Francis Chan years ago wrote a book called forgotten God, because like yeah, the Holy spirit tends to be like the least talked about of the Trinity, at least in, you know, circles that you and I run in, like we're comfortable with father. That makes sense. And Jesus. Okay. I can get my head around that spirit's like, ah, what do we do with that? And as we were kind of kicking that around, um, Stone, one of the executive pastors there, was like, let's call it raise the sales. Like this idea of it was a Maxwell quote that talks about, you know, adjusting, adjusting your sales to the wind. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I just love I love that that imagery. So we're going we're to talk about what does it look like to, to raise the sales of our lives, which is a it's a partnership. Right. It's not just, well, I'm I'm in the boat. God, do whatever you're going to do. Right. Like it's not it's not just a hands off passive posture but it isn't also though like well i got my oar and i guess i gotta make happen whatever's gonna happen here it's this it's this partnership we raise the sails and the wind of god the holy spirit is is who moves us and directs us and sometimes he'll move in a direction that we couldn't have seen coming we couldn't have planned for and that's when we adjust our sails and so yeah to begin with a posture that like prioritizes and we don't want to go anywhere that the spirit of God isn't leading. And we're just going to make that such a central high priority. And, it, and it's a way I think of kind of like casting vision for that because, you know, yeah. I'm going to be the new guy. So I'm not going to come in and all pretending like, Hey, I know what the next two years are going to look like for us. I know how to, I don't know any of that yet, but I do know that I want to begin with an open handed posture that says, all right, God, wherever you want to take us, whatever you want to do in and through us, like we're here, we're listening and we're going to, we're going to yeah. adjust our sales accordingly. So that's, that's the, uh, that's the, the leg we're going to, we're going to start off on. That's, I think I might need to listen to that. <laughs> I might need to tune in. Um, last question. You're moving down to Nashville. Do you, I think I asked you this earlier in the week, but I, I don't remember the answer. Do you have a house? If not, what is the process? <laughs> are you searching? How do you find a house uh, that far away? Are you going down there soon? What's going on? Yeah, it's tough, man. It's a really, really competitive market right now. If anyone's bought or sold uh, right now, both in Illinois, but especially in everyone's moving south and Nashville's a really hot spot. So, again, the uh, the church is is just being incredibly gracious. So there's um, a house that they have in uh, downtown Franklin that had been an office in the past. They're letting us kind of crash in for a few months uh, while we hunt for houses on the ground, and then the plan is to be able to you know buy pretty quickly and then move into that. So, fingers crossed, man. We we've been trusting God with with the whole process, and so this is this is just one more step. We're saying yeah, we don't we don't believe that God would call us and lead us down there and then bail on us when it comes to the house hunt. So we're we're really right. we're really leaning in hard to to trusting even in the midst of our anxiety about the whole process because, like you said, you know it's exhausting and doing it from this far away right. is uh, is not a walk in the park, but there's, yeah, there's in- incredible people in the church that deal with, you know, real estate and lending and inspections and all. They just have been remarkable in rallying around us and, and making us feel like one of the, like the bridges kind of uh, go to phrase is welcome home, which I love. And we've already, we've already felt that like so deeply. It just feels like, Oh man, they're living that out. They're, they're welcoming us home and we're really grateful. No, it's good stuff, man. We're looking forward. I look forward to, I'm sure you'll post the pictures of the house that you get. (laughs) And so we are looking forward to that. Coming up next, uh, one of the things we did yesterday and we want to do a little bit today, we asked Ian, what are some of your favorite interviews for over the last two plus years that we've done? Uh, And so we're going to listen to some of those coming up next here on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life.
Everybody, welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. We shared much earlier in the week that Ian is going to be moving with his family to Nashville, Tennessee. His time here uh, on The Common Good is coming to an end. As Ian is leaving, we asked him to pick some of his favorite interviews, and uh, he has done that, and we want you to enjoy them. We could not be more thrilled than we get the opportunity to sit down with Pastor Rick Warren today. Not humanly possible. It is Hi, guys. <laughs> it's good to be here. It's good to be with you. Oh, this is fun. Thanks for doing this. You and, bet. And uh, I, we always, you know, we usually get a nice long list of how to introduce people, but people know you. Yeah. Uh, so I'm curious because... By the way, let me just say, my favorite introduction was, and here's Rick Warren, of whom Billy Graham said, who? <laughs> 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 That's that a real story. That's a real story. No kidding. <laughs> how do you follow that? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I would. That might be the answer. I was, yeah, was going to ask it. you. How do you like to introduce yourself? Like when with all the kind of stuff that you've done, uh, how do you I, introduce yourself? To people? I like the word Rick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm on. A, I'm on a first name basis with everybody. I want everybody to feel like I'm their best friend, and they're my best friend. Hmm. I, I genuinely do like people, and so. I don't use the doctor degree. I don't say reverend. I don't. You know, if people call me Pastor Rick, that's okay. But Pastor Warren, I go. You don't go to my church. If you call me Pastor Warren. Okay. So, in fact, when I'm in a in a grocery store, if somebody uses any other name than Hi Rick, yeah. I know they're not really members of the church, right? Because they know it's Rick. Right. I've been there for forty years, and it's just Rick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that might actually surprise a lot of people. I'm curious. Because, like what Brian said, a lot of people are at the very least familiar with who you are. Yeah. What might people be surprised to learn about, like you as a person? Because I feel like we often, we you know, we hold pastors and authors yeah. up on pedestals, and yeah. they might be surprised to know this well, thing well, about yeah, you. Sure. Um, well, every pastor is a human being. What God only <laughs> God only uses flawed individuals. Yeah. If God only used perfect people, nothing would get done. Yeah. Right. And so. Uh, pastors have the same problems with doubts, mm. with fears, uh, with worries, yeah. uh, with depression, uh, you know, the, the full gamut of emotions, which, by the way, emotions are meant to be felt. Feelings are meant to be felt. Right, right. Uh, you know, you, you want to stuff them. You don't repress them. You don't suppress them. You express them and confess them. That's good. So uh, I think that, uh, like, with emotions like that, uh, God gave us emotions because he's an emotional God. Hmm. Yeah. I'm curious. You brought up the purpose-driven life that most of us have read. Most people listening have read. Uh, <clears throat> are you, how to ask this question other than are you surprised by the number of people who read it <laughs> and what yeah. happened with the book? Or did yeah. you feel like when you were writing this, this is yeah. this is something that, that needs to be done? Talk well, us through I, that. When I was writing it, it took me um, – Seven months, 12 hours a day. No kidding. Wow. Yeah. Really? It took me seven months, 12 hours a day. I was very, very disciplined. What I would do is I would get up about 4.30 in the morning, and uh, I, I just put on a pair of sweatpants and a shirt. <laughs> I wouldn't shower, shave, or eat breakfast. I was fasting till noon every day. No kidding. And I, and I would go to this little office, light a candle, because it was still dark outside at 4.30 in the morning, and I'd sit down, and I'd start typing. And I start typing, and then I would type and retype and type and retype, and 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 then about noon my ADD would kick in. Right, right. Okay, and I go, I got to get with people. Okay, uh-huh. and so somebody would bring me lunch. I'd shower. I'd walk around the church campus for about an hour. Go back at one and and work from one to five, and then go home 
eat dinner, play with my kids, and was in bed by bed at 8 o'clock. Hmm. And for seven months, I did no preaching. Oh, oh wow. no kidding. I didn't no know that. No preaching. Okay. Wow. Only Christmas and Easter. Only Christmas. It was almost like a sabbatical. Yeah. I was there at church. No staff meeting. And, and, wow. and interesting, during the seven months I was writing that book, the church actually grew by 800 people. <laughs> I go, Maybe I should stay away more often. Yeah, now. right. Okay. No kidding. But that's the difference between personality-driven and purpose-driven. Yeah, that's so that good. When you've built the system, you don't have to be there. Right. Uh, how do you know when you have a personality-driven church, the pastor's tired all the time because mm. he feels like he's got to be pushing it, got to be pushing it. Right. And so when I was typing... Uh, I knew that this book was anointed. I didn't know it was going to be a success. Hmm. I mean, like it was going to sell a lot. Legitimately, you didn't know. No, I didn't know. But as I'm writing it, many times I would be sobbing, Hmm. literally sobbing as I'm writing. And I'm going, man, I need this. Mm. I need this. And I would go, I'm not this good. (laughs) I'm I'm just not this good. Somebody's giving me some stuff here. And so I was typing it in. So I, I knew it was anointed. But I didn't know it was going to sell. You know, it's still it's been out what seventeen years, still selling a million copies a year. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> it just, That's it, nuts. It just passed fifty million. That's it's the best selling hardback in American history. Unbelievable. Yeah. Crazy. In fact, it has two Guinness records. One is uh, best selling nonfiction hardback in American history, and number two, it's the most translated book in the world now, except for the Bible. No kidding. Uh, yeah, it's in one hundred thirty seven languages. And yesterday, I just heard that it was. Uh, uh, Daniel told me is translated in Hmong, bootlegged, and I didn't know about it. I go, well, the test of good material is to get bootlegged. That's right. Okay. That's right. Said, okay. So if, if nobody's bootlegging it, it's, it's cruddy material. Right, okay. right. And somebody came back from Myanmar and said, hey, Rick, we saw purpose-driven life all over the country. It's up in the Himalayas. It's everywhere. Wow. The, the, the issue is it's cop. It's uh, it's um photocopied, and it's by Ricky Warren. <laughs> I, said, I said, cool. There you go. You know, give it to him. Go for it, yeah. man. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. I feel like so, if I had a Guinness World Record, I'd get, like, medals. I yeah, just yeah, yeah of course I, you would. I actually have a couple Guinness records. One is on Purpose Driven Life, but another one is I've been collecting books hmm. all my life. Yeah. My mom was a seminary bookstore manager hmm. and then later was a librarian. And my dad was a pastor, and so I learned to love books. I started collecting books when I was 14, and uh, I, for many, many years, a couple decades, I read a book a day. Hmm. How do you say, how do you read a book a day? Big print, lots of pictures. <laughs> Not colored yet. Real tiny, <laughs> tiny books. One word per page. Okay. I have a two-year-old at home. I'm also reading a book a day. <laughs> Those are yeah. good books, uh-huh. yeah. but they count. That's they right. Mean, they count. Okay. I've been keeping right. the wrong scoreboard this whole time. So today, I, my library, I have... Uh, uh, in regular books and ebooks, I have over uh, 160,000 books in my library. No kidding. It's huge. It's, it's literally its own building that I had to use, uh, get to hold my library. So Guinness Book of Records sent three judges to my library, and they lived there for a week. Wow. And they went through every book <laughs> because I own the record for the most books autographed by the authors. No kidding. Yeah. 4,700 awesome. of those books. I have a I have Galatians commentary autographed by Martin Luther. No. Really? Yeah. I have wow. Jonathan Edwards and 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 uh, George Whitfield and Moody and Spurgeon and Whoa. all these handwritten hand signed stuff. 
uh, almost 5,000 books by the authors. No that's, kidding. That's, by the authors, yeah. That's oh, remarkable. Well, that story's yeah. good. All right, so you're, you're talking about Purpose Driven, you're talking about yeah. 40 years, and you're yeah. talking about this legacy and this origin story of legitimately yeah. standing before God saying, I don't, I don't deserve any of this. Right. I, don't have, I don't have the chops. I don't right. have the... Right. What is it like to be Rick Warren today? Like, does that ever become yeah. normative? Like, well, okay, yeah, people know who I am and who Saddleback is. Well, What's that like to be in your, in your one head? One of the things, if, if you're going to stay mentally sane, yeah. mm-hmm. first thing, you have to realize that fame is worthless. Mm. <laughs> it literally is worthless. Right. Because one minute you're a hero, right. and the next minute you're a zero. Right. And, and the media only has two stories, build you up and tear you down. That's right. Mm-hmm. So... Once you hit the top, it's all over anyway. Yeah. I've been on the cover, I don't know, 30 or so magazines, Time, Newsweek, U.S. Yeah, News. Right. Well, but as soon as that's over, then they start tearing you down. That's right. Okay. And they don't have the same story. Hmm. And I say the same is true about whether it's criticism or praise. Hmm. It's like gum. You chew on it for a while, but you don't <laughs> swallow it. Mm, that's okay. really good. Okay. Yeah. On, on, on praise or criticism... The praise is not for you, but neither is the criticism. Ah, oh, that's good. Okay. And and somebody will say something mean, go, it's not about you. Right. Somebody say something praise, it's not about you. Mm. Somebody misunderstands you, you got to say, it's not about you. Right. Mm. Somebody gets upset, it's not about you. And I, sometimes I feel like I'm having to say it like every hour. Yeah. Right. You know? That's true. And, and I didn't know that God would be testing me on it <laughs> for the rest of my life. I'm going to go, can't I just write it and forget it? <laughs> right. You know? but no. Right. <laughs> and I'm going to go, are you happy now? Right. I'm getting <laughs> It's the same with sermons, though, right? Oh, You've so said true. stuff from the pulpit, oh, oh, and someone yeah. calls you on it 10 hours wife, later. Wife had Absolutely. Looks at you like, right. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Here. Unfortunately, we have to close here, because I know you've got places to be a week ago, another two hours, three yeah, hours. easily. Maybe we're coming out to your library. Maybe we'll come, uh, come, set up come out to the library. <laughs> we'll sit down. We'll do a, whole, we'll do a week show. Oh, you heard him. We're going. No, you all heard him. We're witnesses. And look, I know every place to eat in Southern California for under five bucks, and I'm a big Count spender. Count me in. Count me in. I am a big spender. Uh, <laughs> as a reminder, you can hear Rick every morning on Daily Hope, which airs at 9 a.m. Yes. here on AM 1160. Rick Warren, thank you so much. Thank this was you, an guys. Thank you, man. Thank God you bless you. Thank you. I'm serious. Come out and see me. We'll tape a whole week in California. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Your, your voice to God's ears. Right? <laughs> do not bring your speedos. <laughs> we're, On that note. No, no promises. 15 minutes from the beach. No speedos. <laughs> oh, everyone will be thankful. Yeah, that. right. <laughs> anyway, Rick Warren, thank you so much. Free and Simpkins, I'm Brian Fromm. You're listening to The Common Good, AM 1160. Hope for your life. Everybody, welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. We shared much earlier in the week that Ian is going to be moving with his family to Nashville, Tennessee. His time here uh, on The Common Good is coming to an end. As Ian is leaving, we asked him to pick some of his favorite interviews, and uh, he has done that, and we want you to enjoy them. We are super excited to be joined uh, by Colette Simpkins, 
uh, otherwise known as Ian's mom. So, otherwise known otherwise as. Known That's her as, alias, right? Uh, so uh, we're excited. Thanks for being here. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. This is exciting. <laughs> nervous. <but laughs> Don't be nervous. No one's listening. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> this is just for us. These aren't even, these aren't even on. These aren't even on. <laughs> uh, in town for the weekend? In town to see? Uh, it's, are, are you here? What's the driving force? The son or the grandkids? Which is the drive? Oh, we know exactly where this is if going. You had to, uh, if you had to order them, where would we be right now? Uh Mainly the grandchildren. Because because they change so often. Yes. You can't really have phone conversations with them. So And I'm unchangeable. And yes. he's unchangeable, absolutely. <laughs> my my parents live out here now, but when my wife and I were early in our marriage, they still lived in New Jersey. And we'd be like, you guys should move out here because I only have one brother and we both lived out here. Right. And my parents were like, no, you know, we're still working. We got all our friends back here, the church, all that. They stayed in New Jersey the second we started having kids. Oh, really? And my brother, they were out here like within a year. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, grandkids are the draw, man. See, she's got grandkids in Detroit, too, though. Uh, so See, we were nice. We put them all right in one area, <laughs> even though it was 1,200 miles from home. And they, all right, here we come. Here we come. So uh, I, I've never been able to actually ask you to do this. And you mentioned that we were excited. I don't think excited begins. I'm elated. I'm so excited to have this conversation because you are just one of my all-time favorite people. Literally gave me life, but I think also. <laughs> but the, there, you, I, there are very few people who have been as formative in my life as you. And, I, and I'm not saying that just because you're sitting here. Uh, you listen to the show. You know that this is something that I, I really, really believe to be true. Mm-hmm. But I also think that you have incredible wisdom and experience that I'm excited for our audience to learn from. Because it's one thing, you know, like, oh, there's Ian talking about his mom yep. again. It's another yeah. thing. I'm like, no, no, no. You guys understand. Um you just have a depth of wisdom and experience that I, I think is exceptional. So the question that I've never actually been able to ask you in this context, don't worry, this is this is low hanging fruit. OK, um, <laughs> in in this radio medium, how would you introduce yourself? Like, how would you uh, say so someone listening like, oh, it's Ian's mom. Like if you had to give your own introduction, what, what would you say? Um, you know, that is an evolution of thought because mm. as a later 50 years old woman, you know, for many years, it was. I was so-and-so's mom, and then, you know, multiply that by seven, Um, (laughs) or so-and-so's wife, Mm. and I really felt like I hadn't actually really accomplished anything to what I thought was something to say, hi, I'm a CEO of this, or or that. Um, I think that I finally have kind of found my my voice, Mm. and um, I think I would introduce myself as a uh, homeschooling mom, wife, but uh, uh, a lover of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not to say that everything I do exudes that, mm. but I think that it has helped for me yeah. for who I am. And I, I realize that, you know, when, these, when you talk about like things that happen to a, a young child help develop who they are as a teenager and right. then what happens to them as a teenager develops them as a young adult, mm-hmm. um, we are ever growing. Yeah. yeah. So here at 58, I'm still growing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So I get to add 10 more people too that well i have 10 grandchildren oh, that's so. right. <laughs> everyone says grandparenting is the best like it, it it's all the fun of parenting without all the problems of it. Right, <laughs> right right i look forward to so it ian has told us many times uh that he was homeschooled so that's been a constant conversation we've had uh he and he's told us what oldest of seven seven yep uh, so going way back, I am curious, how does one make a decision to homeschool seven children? <laughs> what goes into that? Pro- that feels to me, I have three kids. They're all in school. In fact, it's my kid's field day today. Right on. Field day and then a half day and then summer vacation. 
uh, we we tried to homeschool our oldest daughter for one year, and it was really hard. So I would love to know the thought process where at what point you said, you know what, I want to homeschool my kids and do it all of them, all seven. That feels like that feels pretty overwhelming to me. Well, that again was uh, an evolution of events. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's true. I actually liked my work at the time, and my husband's like, I think that you should homeschool. And I'm like, uh, no, you shouldn't yeah, homeschool. You, you, <laughs> you homeschool. And um, I, have a, I have a brother and his wife. Um, his wife, Patty, is my mentor in mm. life. She really is wonderful, and she has 11 children. Wow. And so her kids are a bit older. You know, she started having kids before I started having kids, and... Uh, my husband was very attracted to how those kids hmm. were, how gotcha. they behaved, their their smarts and stuff like that. Um, and my husband said, I really think you should homeschool. And I said, I don't think so. Yeah, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> uh, it was actually our third son who was a summer boy, baby, and he was a boy. And um, still, a lot is, of, still is a boy. Yeah. Still, <laughs> you're right. Yeah. He's still, last I checked, yeah. Uh, he, thanks for the clarification. <laughs> just want to make sure everyone... <laughs> Anyways, our our neighbors were teachers, and they had said, you're not going to put them in kindergarten next year, are you? And we're like, Mm. well, we thought so. And they said, well, maybe you should not. So we really started with him, which was an easy one Mm because he was four, just turning five. Uh, And then a series of other events had happened with uh, Zachary, who was two years older than, or two and a half years older than uh, Travis, and then and Ian, and so I didn't start homeschooling seven. Oh, okay. I started homeschooling one. Yeah, right. And then another one came home, and then Ian went to public school all the way through fifth grade. Yeah. And then he came home, and then the other ones, it was just kind of an easy yeah. transition. So let me jump in there. there. If people out there, there's kind of constant debate, right, for parents as your kids get older, what do we do? Um, what did you like about homeschooling? What was, what was the draw for mm-hmm. you, even – Either before you started or once you did it, what what was the benefit for mm. it? Uh, there was probably a couple of different things. One of them was having kids in public school, trying to figure out what they were taught and how to um, navigate that yeah. with our Christian worldview. Uh, when you're homeschooling, you have complete control of that, mm-hmm. and. Um, I, I love the familiarity. I loved yeah. my kids, yeah. and I. I Really loved them as people and being around them yeah. and spending time with them, and uh, so the freedom and the flexibility were—I uh, could—you can't compare. Yeah. yeah. Ian was telling me a little bit of your background and said that y- that you were for a while a president of a crisis pregnancy center, and uh, would love to hear the background of that. Why did you, with all you had going on at home, all <laughs> right, these kids? Right. Why? Uh, a passion to not just speak on an issue like that, but to give time to crisis pregnancy and uh, that whole issue. Oh boy. That's such a loaded question. Um, It is a passion. Mm -hmm. There was a a woman who had um, a word from the Lord and the Lord said, we need a pregnancy counseling center in Dearborn. Wow. And um, Dearborn is a very, um, Muslim, uh, highly populated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even though most Muslims will say that it is uh, a sin of sorts to have an abortion, it is actually more of a shame to be unwed and be pregnant. Oh, wow. And mm-hmm. so they were seeking abortions in Livonia, which is probably about 20 minutes away from Dearborn. And okay. So this woman went around and put a little note in all the churches in the Dearborn area. And um, out of that, our church 
a couple of women from our church had responded, and I was one of them. And so there was four of us, Irene, Penny, and Lori and I, and we met in living rooms and in um, coffee houses and, and met and gathered and tried to um, collect our thoughts. Yeah. Uh, I have never worked in a pregnancy counseling center. A couple of the gals had, and so they had experience with the counseling. But the the thought of people not understanding what really happens in abortion. Um, medical science does prove more that it is a baby and what have you. And it's so I'm going to go forward a little bit. Uh, Lori, who was one of the original people, we just had this discussion last Tuesday, and she said, as much as I am concerned about the baby, which is a lot of the pro-life yeah. um, mantra, she says, I am more concerned of the woman mm. because it leaves irreparable damage yeah. uh, physically, spiritually, and, and what have you. And I thought that was an interesting take because for years it was, I always thought it was just just the baby that I cared about. Mm. And it's not just the baby I care mm. about. It is about the whole being. Um, so, yeah, we, we met for about three or four years in the living rooms. We finally got enough money fundraise. We got an office. We uh, opened up, and our name the name of the center was called Metro Life Choices, and we got a lot of bad feedback from, like, Christian organizations because we had the word choices choice. in Interesting. it. Interesting. Mm, yeah. And we were trying to say that life is a choice. Yeah, you know, yeah. like, we were trying to be somewhat culturally, culturally relative. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, the center we the has continued. And it actually warms my heart because when you pour so much of yourself into a ministry, it becomes you. You kind of uh, claim ownership. Right. And we have always prayed it was the Lord's ministry. It yeah. was the Lord's leadership. And so the four of, of the original members had all had since moved on to different life. And um, the center still goes on. It, the name has changed, but it is still a vibrant center and wow. still helps women in the midst of a crisis pregnancy. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is truly the Lord's ministry. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Uh, just curious what it's like, uh, not to make an emotional moment between you two, but just wondering what it's like to watch your kid preach. Like if that's, I'm sure you come down, you've seen him preach and you're, I would think you still look up there and see like, you know, the six year old <laughs> running around who did this. Arguing about the blue jeans and the exactly, blue shirt, right? <laughs> exactly. Is it, uh, is it, I would, I would, I would guess it is a really, um, something that, fills you with lots of pride. It does. It, yeah. abs- it absolutely does. And uh, to say that when Ian and I would talk on the phone, it was very interesting. Sometimes I'll share about what our pastor had talked about on Sunday and er- Ian would share. It was like, it was so amazing how the Holy Spirit works yeah. because there was, I, I think there has always been a, a very spiritual kind of connection with him and I and in in a lot of the same things. Yeah. Um, and that's so watching him preach. It's like, yeah, I, I love the way he preaches. Thanks, I man. really, really do, and I, and I love your heart, and maybe maybe that's why because I love yeah. your heart. I know your heart, and um, uh, yeah, I think if I if he lived in Dearborn, sorry, Andy, I would have to go to the church. <laughs> Andy's my pastor. There you go. <laughs> well, I, I'm a I'm a better preacher and husband and father because of your love and influence oh, in my life. So I love I love you very much, Mom. I love you too. Thanks. I don't feel like I should be sitting here right now. I feel like <laughs> yeah, I should like, let you have the moment. <laughs> Colette, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thanks thank you. Thanks for doing this. Yep. Uh, for Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life.
up ahead in your miles and miles from your nice warm bed. You just remember what your past said. Boy, you got a friend in me. Yeah, you got a friend in me. Hey, friends, welcome back to The Common Good. AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, I am Brian Fromm. We are grateful that you've joined us today. Today's a different day, a a big day in the life of The Common Good, as uh, this is Ian's last week here at the station on the show, as Ian and his family, as we've been talking about all week, are moving down to the Nashville area. Well, Ian will be the lead teaching pastor uh, at, uh, at the bridge, at the bridge, uh, outside of Nashville. So, uh, we've been kind of celebrating, reminiscing, telling stories, uh, been a different, uh, kind of show, but hopefully you enjoyed the interviews Ian chose over the last couple of days, grinds my gears, all sorts of stuff like that. And, uh, now we're going to close out. And the way I want to do this, uh, is, uh, I want to give Ian a, just a chance to speak to our audience. Like you're a pastor, so you could, you could fill time. Uh, and so I, I want to give Ian a chance to speak, uh, to our audience because we do very much, uh, don't, t- we do not take it for granted that you could listen to a lot of different things out there. There's a lot of podcasts. There's a lot of radio mm-hmm. shows. Uh, there's a lot of TV, whatever. And, and we are grateful to those of you who say, Hey, I listen to you guys all the time. Like that is humbling. Uh, and that is a big deal. So, uh, Ian, before that, I just want to tell you, man, we we told you we're not going to get teary. We're not going to do any of this, but this has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, not just today, but the last two years, people always ask me like, Oh, what's it like having two jobs? And I'm like, sometimes the radio doesn't feel like a job. Like it's just fun. Mm. We laugh. As we've joked with people, uh, as we've joked on this show, you and I did not know each other until they put us together uh, in a radio booth. And that could have gone really <laughs> badly. <laughs> yes. Uh, but it hasn't. And you and I have genuinely become friends. And mm-hmm. uh, in a weird way, it's this weird friendship where you've met my family once and I've never met your family. Right. But like, <laughs> there's nobody that I talk to more than you <laughs> over text or at, you know, over the radio or whatever else. And I know we'll continue texting, uh, sending stories and whatever else. Did you see this? Like it, we've, oh, I'm sure that will continue. Uh, but man, I'll miss you. Like this has been a lot of fun and, uh, something I'm really grateful for. Neither you nor I ever thought we would do anything like that. And to do it together has been great. And so, uh, I. Uh, it's still weird that you're going like I'm prob- I'm going to probably text you this week. Like, hey, what do you want to do on the show this week? <laughs> and, uh, uh, but but I wanted to close out that way. I wanted to make sure to tell you uh, this has been fun and I know we'll continue being friends. It'll look different. But uh, yeah, what a crazy two years it's been, huh? Yeah, man. No kidding. I if you would let me too, I, I'd love to I'd love to return the sentiment, too, because, sure. you know, this this opportunity has meant so much more to me than I think I could have anticipated. Like there was so much excitement and so much, wow, I can't believe they're asking us. And so much like, yeah, I just felt so honored. And I felt so grateful and thinking about the legends that came before us and the amount of freedom they gave. Like I just, I knew, I knew we were going to have fun. I knew that much. I was not prepared for like how much this show would come to mean to me. And not just the show, like in an ethereal kind of nebulous sense, but like, being able to be on this journey with you and with the leadership and our team. And I've had ideas challenged and I've been able to process through other things that, you know, we've mentioned 
there have been segments where like, man, I, we almost changed our mind on something in the course of nine and a half minutes. Like there's a, that is, I have been so grateful for the gift that being able to do this show has been to the point where even like my wife is like, wow, there's like a different light to you. There's like a different energy. Like it's, mm. it's one thing to say like, man, it's yeah, we've had a good time doing it, but there's a whole other thing. It's been so life giving to me in a season that in a lot of ways has been harder than I could have anticipated. And that's just, I mean, even having, you know, this conversation with, with Marcus and how, how gracious and kind he was. I had a, had a phone call with Jeff and he was just so supportive and encouraging and kind. And, you know, think of like, you know, Keith and Josh and John and Debbie and Debbie and Dan and Larry and Danielle and Eric and Frank and George and Lynn and Misty and Justin, these, these people who have been so unreasonably gracious with us when we had no idea what we were doing and made a lot of mistakes and to then be leaving. I just, I could not have anticipated this much graciousness in a decision to go somewhere, you know, like, right. I don't know in my head, they would have been completely justified to say, well, been a good run. Best of luck. But it wasn't, it was just, right, right, right. you know, we're praying for you. We're so excited for you and your family we'll continue to follow you. Like, thanks for, you know, giving to this family. I don't, I don't know. This is the part where I, I really probably am going to get misty and I'll try to like, I'll try to choke <laughs> back the tears, but like it is, it has been such a wild ride and so much more beautiful and life giving than I could have anticipated. And I'm, I'm going to be forever grateful. I'm going to think about, I'm going to think about these last two plus years for a long, long time and leaving it is honestly one of the most difficult things I've ever had to do, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been a good run. And like I told you, I'm like, I don't want you to go, uh, but you're going to an awesome church. Mm-hmm. And, and I think anyone who heard this before, I do want to give you everything you said is a hundred percent correct about the people at the station. Like I said, uh, we shouldn't get paid to laugh as much as we do. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun. I do. We got like three minutes left or whatever. I'd love to just give you the, the opportunity pastorally, friend, whatever, uh, to speak to those people who listen to us and on a regular basis and kind of say goodbye. I just want to uh, turn it over to you and give you the microphone for a couple minutes here just to talk to our audience. Yeah, thanks, man. I And you mentioned it. I, I don't think I could express how much it means to me that anyone would listen to us for more than 10 seconds. <laughs> the fact that anyone has been following us, invested in any way, shape or form, the notes and the emails and the comments and the messages have meant so, so much. I just, it blows me away that people would in any way let us share our ramblings or our really incoherent thoughts or our incomplete ideas or notions like that. That has been, ah, that, that has just been such, such a gift. And I'm, and I'm so I'm so grateful. I feel like such a broken record saying that it has meant so much to me and my family. And I wanted to, I wanted to kind of end with this. It's something that when I read it, it just so resonated with me and I hope, I hope it resonates with you. Um, Eugene Peterson, as many of you know, is someone that I deeply admired and we reference him so many times on the show and well, I'll just read it. It says Eugene Peterson's son leaf said at the funeral that his dad only had one sermon that he had everyone fooled for 29 years of pastoral ministry, that for all his books, he only had one message. It was a secret Leaf said his dad had let him in on early in life. It was a message that Leaf said his dad had whispered in his heart. 
for 50 years. Words that he had snuck into his room to say over him as a child as he slept at night. And these are those words. God loves you. God is on your side. He is coming after you. He is relentless. And I think about those four things so often. And in the chaos of our world and when we're prone to fear or anxiety or doubt or apathy, God's big enough for all of that. All of who you actually are. Bring that person to God because he's a good father and he loves you and he's coming after you and he is relentless. And there is so much freedom and so much joy in resting in that truth that for all of our mess and brokenness, God sees it anyway. And he invites us to bring who we actually are to him. And when we do, he says, you're my beloved. What God says about you is the most important thing about you. And he calls you loved. And that is really, really, really good news. What a good word out there, man. And we'll miss you. You'll always be part of the family. And so only one way to close after that. For Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. You've been listening to The Common Good here on AM 1160. Hope for your life.